0: Well, all right this morning we're gonna close out this series called overwhelmed Uh, we've been journeying and this may be your first weekend with us and uh, but we've been in a series in the book of Job and where we're gonna be today is Job chapter Job chapter 42 so if you have your Bible or you you want to click there an electronic device whether it's a tablet or a phone uh, that's okay as well we're gonna be in Job chapter 42 we've been looking at this subject we've been talking about this subject how to deal with with overwhelming circumstances and so we've taken job's life and we've been looking at that and so today i want to talk to you about this issue of being overwhelmed by joy now listen a lot of times when people go through overwhelming circumstances the last thing they talk about is being overwhelmed by joy Usually in life, people are talking about being overwhelmed by the circumstance they're in, whether, it, whether it's a job situation, whether it's a marriage situation, whether it's a situation in relationships, Or it's a season that they're going through in life. That a lot of times, when people talk about being overwhelmed, they're not talking about circumstances. And so, but we know this as believers: that joy, the joy that the Bible talks about, doesn't come out of circumstances. Joy comes out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. But here's the crazy thing about overwhelming circumstances. I don't know if you know this. You probably know this. Is that, is that it's because of pressure, right? And pressure can come from different sources in life. I mean, you, there's self-pressure. You can put pressure on yourself. Uh, there's peer pressure. Uh, there's performance pressure. I mean, you, you can even have pressure about a future event, Right. Even, it may be a meeting, it may be a presentation that you need to make, it may be, uh, it may be a situation going on in your life, and you, you can have pressure for like this future event because you know this event is coming. Now listen, the problem with pressure is this, the problem when we get overwhelmed and the problem with pressure is this, is that when we're under pressure, typically we don't make the wisest decisions, right? Because a lot of times, see what happens is, a lot of times our circumstances, our pressure, can cloud out some things in our life i mean as a pastor i've talked to tons of people who've talked to me about about in the midst of pressure pressure packed moments in their life or overwhelming circumstances in their life that they have made some of the worst decisions most painful decisions in those pressure packed moments of their life they made some decisions that they've lived lived to regret for years and it it's in those pressure packed moments or in those moments that when we're overwhelmed that if we're not careful we'll lose our better judgment I mean, if we're not careful when we're in those overwhelming circumstances, we'll, we'll do something or we'll make a decision that we'll live to regret the next day or a week later or maybe even years later. I mean, if we're not careful, we'll allow the overwhelming circumstances to cloud out our better judgment. See, this is what happened to Job. I mean, Job went through some overwhelming circumstances. And you look at his life before and who he was and you look at his life in those circumstances and you look at his life and you realize the circumstances clouded some things out. Listen, the average person, when we go through pressure-packed moments, we just want relief. I mean, we just want relief. We just want to try to escape. And in the name of relief, some people have done some of those craziest things that they've lived to regret. Now, listen, to help illustrate this, I'm going I'm to tell you my most embarrassing moment here at Fellowship of the Rockies uh it happened 18 about 18 years ago uh we were a new church we're in temporary facilities and and a lot of people were coming to christ and so we did a midweek service it was on thursday nights we got a a little rented a little church for southern uh church in 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 town and we'd do worship and we'd do baptisms there and so i was kind of new to the ministry i'd never really baptized that many people before and so we led this guy to christ his name darren he was a college student and so his parents didn't live in Pueblo. They lived all over. His family lived all over Colorado. And so they were pretty pumped. They were pretty excited. They've been praying for Darren. Darren gets ba- is going to get baptized. So people are coming in from all over. It's a big deal. And so Dr. Dodd, who was our founding pastor, was like, you know, well, anyway, he, he said, Charlie, I think you need to baptize. You baptize Darren. And so, you know, I immediately felt the pressure. I felt the pressure of being a spiritual moment, saying the right things, his family's coming in. I talked to Darren, it's a big deal for Darren. And so I said, fine. And so, so I'm getting, you know what? You can have pressure about future events. And so I get to the church, uh, Darren's there. And just so you know, Darren's like a big guy. He's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six. Uh, he had played football. So Darren's a big guy. And so we get to the, we, we walk over to the baptistry. And so First Southern, they made a mistake. And so they started filling the baptistry up late. And so the water only came up to about here. And, uh, and Darren's like six five, six six, and so, so the water needed to be more like up here. And, and really, the water was like down here on Darren. And so I told Darren, I said, Darren, maybe we should cancel this. I mean, there's just not a lot of water. And he's like, you know what? we got to do this. My family's in. They're looking forward to this big moment. I, they've taken time off from work. And I said, fine, we'll do it. Here's what we'll do. Uh, so when I baptize you, instead of you going back, you just need to kind of go down to your knees and then back. And that way there'll be enough water to baptize you he said fine I, I, I can do that I can remember that and so uh, we did one song Darren and I start coming down into the baptistry getting the baptistry and then all of a sudden I realize that my waders had a hole in them and so I'm taking on water and so my waders are filling up with water and the way my mind works gets really distracted easy and so I'm thinking like oh my word am i going to even get out of here i mean am i going to take off the robe and take off the waiters and like swim out in front of god and everybody because they didn't have curtains like we have so now that i'm feeling the pressure and there's you know and i'm looking at dr Dodd on the front row who who was just this orator and he never made a mistake at all in public speaking and i made plenty and so so i'm like feeling the pressure and so so we get to the place and then, then i'm looking at the water and, and i'm nervous and and the worship stops and and I say a few things, and so when I get nervous, when in those pressure packed moments, I talk even louder and even more direct and with even more hand motions, You're just trying to be direct. And so so Darren's here. And so I say some things, don't remember what I said, it probably wasn't good. And so I said some things, and then I says, And now, Darren, I baptize you, my sister. <laughs> it gets worse. And so so darren's like now now darren feels the pressure okay and so darren feels the pressure he looks at me and so now i'm nervous and i get even get worse and so i go no and so i start having a conversation that i should be having in my mind i'm having it out loud and pretty loud and so i go no no you are not my sister darren i baptize you my my father my fa no no And people are kind of doing what you're doing. They're trying to hold it together. But I'm telling you, his mama is not happy. I mean, I, and so I'm feeling the pressure. And so, so I'm like, no, no. I says, no, Darren, I baptize, I baptize you, my mother. Yeah, there's kind of this grump. And I'm like, no, no, not my mother, not my sister, not my father, Darren. I baptize you my brother that's it you're my brother I baptize you my brother and then I said what you're supposed to say and then we start Well, now the pressures on Darren Darren forgets to do this that was that was important and so Darren keeps going back but there's no water so he keeps going back his legs his feet come out from under him I'm telling you he does like this back flop into the water and Darren a large guy and so he hits the water they couldn't see the congregation because of the tub couldn't see what was going on he hits the water and all they hear is the water him hitting the water and then a wall of water coming up on me and now I'm like totally drenched now Darren totally freaks out and understandably so and so so Darren is like thrashing around down there. He takes his arm and he grabs the glass. He's hanging on to the glass. And all they see is this arm coming up and they see me going, it's like I'm drowning (laughs) him. And so so I'm bringing Darren back up and both of us are wet. both of us got baptized. And so (laughs) so I'm bringing Darren up and I look over to see where my wife is sitting because I'm thinking, I just need some support here. She was no longer there. She was sitting in front of Darren's family. She, was, she could not control her laughter. She laid out in the pew and curled up in a fetal position and said, Lord, just help him. And so she was like laughing uncontrollably. I get Darren up. And I mean, I'm like, because I'm thinking I'm so fired. <laughs> I mean, I'm so fired. Because Kurt is not, Kurt is mad. <laughs> and so, so I get him up. And we're looking at, I mean, it's just like oh. and then also in the worship leader at that time, Paul Radden, he goes, Because I was supposed to pray. I was done. He's like, well, Let's worship. <laughs> you know, he started playing, stand and worship, and people are laughing. You know, I'm I'm coming out with Darren. I said, Darren, I don't even know if this counts. You might have to find a real pastor, to, like, redo this. <laughs> he goes, I'm so, I'm just so sorry. I'm so sorry. Listen. All I want to do is res- escape, right? I-, I wanted to just walk out of that building and never really come back. Some of you in this room, you were there that night, so so you know. <laughs> but I had to close the service. So I had to come back into the service. And when I came back in the service, people kind of got some control. <laughs> I come back in the service, and when I walk in, and I mean, it looked like I'd been in a rainstorm. I was drenched. And it's like slosh, slosh, slosh. And I had to sit next to Dr. Dodd and from his body language he was not happy and so so and then the pressures on dr dodd and dr dodd's now mad and so there's only like a hundred folks there that night and so when kurt gets up to preach i think he kind of forgot everybody was there and so he turns to me and he goes do not leave when this is over and when this is over i want to know one thing where did mother come from and i'm like (laughs) That makes two of us. I mean, I, I, mean, I, and so, so this issue of pressure, pressure is ridiculous. And so here's the deal. When, when we get in those pressure packed moments, when we get overwhelmed, a lot of times we'll just do anything to get relief. And so I've talked to people as a pastor and that when they get in those pressure packed, those overwhelming circumstances, and we know how Joe behaved, we'll talk about that. But when they get in those pressure packed moments, there's times that people will do anything to escape, whether they escape with anger Where they escape with lying, where they escape with alcoholism or an addiction or pornography or TV or a hobby or work or anything. All they want to do, all that person wants to do is get some sort of relief. See, the problem with these pressure packed moments when we just, when all we want is relief and we'll do anything to get that relief, if we're not careful, if you're not careful, you can wake up the next morning and go, what? You can say next week, what? I can't believe I did that. Listen, when I look back on that event 18 years ago, I do not go, nailed it. (laughs) I mean, I'm like, ah, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that to Darren and his family. I wonder what they're even thinking. I wonder what they did with the video. I mean, I don't even know. And so the question is, and so here's the question for Job. Here's the question for us. When you get caught up in those overwhelming circumstances of life, how do you keep being the person you want to be how do you keep being the believer that god has called you to believe to be how do you how do you walk through horribly overwhelming circumstances and just stay the course and just follow him and honor him so here's what job said here's what happened with job because see, job when he went through overwhelming circumstances and he was under pressure listen he had some regrets He has some attitudes that he regretted. He had some things that he said that he regretted. He's had some things that he did. So he had some regrets when he looked back on that. And here's what he says when when he has this moment. We're just going to look at this one more time. Uh, Job chapter 42, verse 1. So then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I've uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. So now he's quoting God. He's quoting scripture. And I will question you, and you will make it known to me. Verse 5, here's the moment in Job's life that things made sense. He went from an intellectual faith to a personal faith. He says, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself. I repent in ashes and dust and dust, dust and ashes. And so, so Job says, God, I saw you. Okay, what does that mean? What does it mean to see God? I mean, did he see God physically? What does it mean when a person sees I see God? I saw God see Jesus addressed this in the beatitudes in in matthew 8 8 Jesus said this he said blessed are the pure in heart For they will see God So what does it mean? I mean, what does it mean to what does it mean to see God? here's the deal Job didn't physically see God Jesus wasn't saying that you will physically see God. Here's what Jesus said. Here's what Job found out is this is That when you get caught up in those overwhelming circumstances And You stay the course you'll be able to see God in the situation That's what Job was talking about. That's what Jesus was talking about in the Beatitudes It's his spiritual ability to be able to see God in the situation and yes, we go through some hurtful and painful situations it wasn't until Job, years later, looked back over that and could say, "You know what, God? I could see you in the situation. I could see what you were doing in my life. I could see the things that were going on. I mean, at the time, the circumstances, the issue were overwhelming. But there's some things. See, Ecclesiastes says this. You got to read the verse all the way through. You can't stop. So Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, said this: Everything is beautiful in its time, but everything isn't beautiful, right?" Solomon said, everything is beautiful, but we know that everything isn't beautiful. We know there's some times we go through some hurtful situations, but Solomon says, guess what? Everything is beautiful in its time. When you Redemption, when you can look back on that situation and you say, you know what? God, you were in that. God, you, God, when I went through those overwhelming circumstances, you didn't leave me or forsake me. You were right with me. So when you look at this, you realize that there's this, that joy is found, what Jesus talks about in the Beatitude, joy is found when, when, when the man or the woman is right on the inside, and their joy is turned to their connection to God and, and comes from, from something within and not something in their circumstances. See, Paul talks about this in Romans 1, 121, and he says, verse 21, he says, for although they... They knew God. In other words, they claimed to know God. They knew some facts about God. They had an intellectual faith, not a personal faith. They knew some things about God, but they did not honor him as God. They did not honor their life. They did not honor him with their life. They did not, well, he goes on. And they did not give thanks to him, so they didn't really worship him. They didn't really honor him with their life, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were, were darkened. Whenever scripture talks about the heart, the, he's never talking about the physical organ. Uh, the heart describes, the heart explains all of your emotions, your emotions and your soul and your will and your thinking and all of that process. And so you see, when you have this relationship with him, what helps you stay the course in overwhelming circumstances is issue that you have this personal relationship with him and that you know him. Now listen, this, this morning there's like, there's like eight points. And I, I never have eight points. Usually I have three points. And, and uh, the first three points are gonna answer this question of how do we see God? And then the rest of the, uh, of the principles, the points, it's just so practical. How do you walk through the process that Job followed to where you move to a personal intellectual faith to where you have this faith that allows you to go through overwhelming circumstances and stay the course and be the person that you wanna be, be the person that you are, be the person that God has called you. The first thing about seeing God there's three different ways that we really see God. First one is this, is that we're able to see God in, in, in his purpose. In other words, when you look at Job's life and, and, and you realize that Job came to this part, this, this point, uh, verse 2, out of Job chapter 42, he said, I know that you can do all things. In other words, God, I know you're sovereign. I know you're powerful. And that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. In other words, God, you have a plan for my life. And no man can keep the plan happening for me in my life. God, I understand you're, in, you're sovereign. I understand you have a purpose for me. I understand that you have a, perp, a plan for me. God, when I go through overwhelming circumstances, I may not get it. I may not understand it. I may not agree with it. But God, I just know you have a purpose and you are working this out. Guess what, what What the Bible says? And you're working this out for my good. And I may not like it at the time and it may be painful and it may be hurtful. But God, I understand you got a purpose and you got a plan for my life. And you're in control and you, you can do everything. So, so you're able, the spiritual man or woman that enters that spiritual dimension can see God in his purpose and see God working and see God in their circumstances. The second thing is this, is that you can see God in your provisions. In other words, you understand what James says, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father, that God provides for you. I mean, a lot of times we get we build this false belief and we believe that, guess what? I'm providing for me, but guess what? The Bible says that, that God provides for you. That God gave you the ability to make wealth. That God gave you a mind. He gave you talents. He gave you an intellect. He gave you all of those. Yes, it takes discipline. And yes, it takes hard work. But God has blessed you and God has given you gifts and abilities and talents. I mean, look at this. Job realized this in Job 42.10. And so, look at what the Scripture says. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. So, so who restored the fortunes for Job? The Lord. It doesn't say God. It doesn't say Job restored his fortunes. It says God did. And when he prayed for his friends, and he again, and the Lord gave Job. So, who gave to Job? God, and gave Job twice as much as he had had before. God, I mean, God blessed Job, and Job was aware of that. I mean, Job thanked God and honored God by returning back to God. uh, Resources and tithes and income and all of those other things. I mean, the Roman passage says, guess what? That they did not know God, and so they didn't honor God, and they didn't thank God. In other words, there wasn't this real worship. There wasn't this understanding that, guess what? God has blessed you, and you can honor Him with your gifts, your tithes, your abilities, your talents. To build the kingdom because you understand that guess what everything that you have has come from him and and the scripture says he's given us the ability to make wealth and we're supposed to honor him and just say thank you and then when you go through those times in life of and you understand that you can see him in his purpose and you see him in his provisions that when God closes that door in your life you just you just understand that God you're in control and that you're sovereign and I may not understand why you close that door but, but, I, but maybe you're changing direction for me because ultimately, listen, ultimately I trust you. Listen, you're gonna have to come to the place. If you're gonna walk through overwhelming circumstances and honor him, you're gonna have to come to the place where you believe his word over your emotions and you believe his word over your feelings and you believe his word over your circumstances. See, this is what happened, was happening in Job's life. And he was able to see God like he had never seen God before. The third thing of, of seeing God is He was able to see His His person, He was able to see his, his purpose, He was able to see His provisions. I mean, He He learned for the first time in His life that guess what, God, you you've been providing for me, and then He could see God see His His, his person. Watch this. He says He says, "I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my but now my eyes see you." It's personal now. I see you working in my circumstances. I see you working in my situation. Listen, let me tell you something. God wants you to experience him. That's why we don't put God on the weekends up here for exhibit. We don't exhibit God for you. We want you to experience God in worship to where you know that he's in this place, to where you know that he's working in your life, in your circumstances, to where you know that, guess what, God... Man, you're you're, provide, you're providing for me because see, joy is found in the man or the woman, not as a result of their circumstance. Joy is found in the man or the woman that has a spiritual connection to God, and then when they begin to see God in the purpose and their provisions and their finances and all of that other stuff, and they're able to see Him, and they're able to see Him work, and so, so there's this there's this step when Job realized all of this. There was a step that, that, that Job walked through. There several steps, and I just want to I just want to give you these steps and walk through these steps with you this morning because I'm telling you, if we all journeyed through these steps, I mean, there would be some amazing things that would happen not only in our life, but there'd be some amazing things that would happen in our community. And so Job followed this path when he came to this place where he says, "I don't want to be overwhelmed by my circumstance. I want to I want to be, be I want to continue to be the person I'm supposed to be, and I want to connect to you." So if that's you, the first step that has to be is there, there has to be a step of realization. In other words, you've got to become honest with yourself. See, there's a lot of people they are always criticizing everybody else. They're always talking about everybody else. They're always evaluating everybody else. And the step of evaluation is where we come to the place, and you know what we do? We say, God, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to evaluate myself. And I I want to be realistic about my life. I want to be realistic about my spiritual life. I want it to be more than me just knowing you and knowing some facts about you and having some knowledge about you. I want it to be deeper than that. And so, God, in other words, God, where do I stand with you? I mean, are 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 you willing just to ask God, God, would you just reveal to me where I stand with you and that? And are there any changes that need to be made in our life? And see, that, that leads us to the second step. After a step of realization, there needs to be a step of examination to where we examine our lives, to where we're not examining everybody else's life, to where we examine our lives. And, and, and in other words, who are saying, God, would you begin to probe my life? See, that's what, that's what God did with Job. Job began to, God began to probe Job's life. And he began to keep pressing into job because he wanted job to have a deeper relationship with them in other words to where we come to the to the place where we examine i mean job said it he said i see therefore i despise myself i've examined my life there's some things in my life that you know what i just don't like there's some things in my life and job there's some habits there's some attitudes there's some action there's some words there's some things that i've i've been doing that that just just need to go and as a result of that lord i despise myself the word despise means to melt away that, God, I understand you're, you're, you're way bigger than me. And your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are bigger than my ways. I don't understand what I went through. I don't understand why I went through it. Fact is, God, your ways are so much higher than my ways. Even if you sat down and explained it with me, I probably still wouldn't be able to get it. I probably still wouldn't be able to wrap my, my mind around it. And so there's like this step of examination, which leads to a step of petition. To where, I mean, that's what happened with Job. He said, he says, I repent. In other words, he's like uncle, I give up Um, and and, and repent is just a a biblical word that means of a a change of mind that leads to a change of action. In other words, to God, I've examined myself. I realize there's some things in my life that need to go that aren't right. And so I've had a change of mind to understand that if I keep making those decisions, I keep doing that, uh, it's going to cause a lot of pain in my life. And so as a result of that a change of mind leads to a change of action as a result of that I'm just going to change the way I've been living That's why David after after David committed adultery in, in, in Psalm 51:10, uh, David David uh, Praised this prayer as part of his prayer uh, Create in me a, a clean heart in other words David got it David understood that joy is found in the man or the woman That is has a spiritual relationship this connection to God and renew a right spirit in me and then the fifth step, the fourth step is this. And then there's like this step of, step of determination. God, I, I repent. And there's a change of mind that's leading to a change of action. And because of that, I'm going to have to make some changes in my life. And God, I, I, I commit to you, I'm, I'm going to life journal. I'm going to read your scriptures. Uh, I'm going to enter into worship. I mean, God, I'm, I'm going to honor you with my wealth. And I'm going to honor you with my talents. And I'm going to honor you with, with how you've blessed me. Because I understand what you're doing in my life. Listen, very... In some respects, very few Christians get to this place where Job is talking about. To where we come to this place to where when the pressure comes. And we say, man, I'm so angry right now. I just, I just want to throw things. I just want to hit somebody. I just want to kick something. Or I'm, 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 there's so much pressure on me. That I just want to find relief somewhere. I just want to escape. And our judgment gets clouded. And our judgment gets clouded because of the circumstances. And the Bible says there's a way, there's a different way to live, and there's a better way to live. And the last step that a lot of times isn't talked about in these steps is there's a step of adoration. Uh, we, would, we would say worship and this is where real worship comes from this is this is why worship is so important that's why worship is a is a value of ours. scripture worship acceptance and transformation that's why worship is a is a value of ours you know there's a couple of times in the in the new testament we get a glimpse of jesus worshiping Uh, we know he values worship we know he's a value he he was a worshiper Uh, john john chapter 4 jesus says the way that you worship is in spirit and truth it's not all truth it's not all head and it's not all emotion that you worship in spirit and truth and so we get that we understand that but there's a couple of times in scripture that all of a sudden we get a glimpse into jesus life and we get a glimpse of the way in which jesus worshiped one of those times is real meaningful to me it was right before jesus went into overwhelming circumstances it was right before Jesus went in, went to the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he goes to the cross. Now listen, he's having the Lord's Supper. He's, he's in the upper room with the disciples. He knows what's ahead of him. He knows overwhelming circumstances are coming. Uh, the, the disciples are, are observing Passover uh, with Jesus, an amazing thing to think about. That they were observing Passover and the disciples were sitting with the Passover lamb. Pretty cool deal. And so they're sitting there right with Jesus. Jesus begins telling them what he's going to do and, and what's ahead of him. And there's some overwhelming circumstances. And they're going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. They finish, they finish Passover. And then it says they sung a hymn and they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. More than likely they worshipped on the way to Garden of Gethsemane. So the big question is what they worshipped to? Well, they, they have a, a Jewish halal, they have a, a like a Jewish hymnal, and it, it gave them instructions about what this time looked like. And so they would have finished up Passover, and then they would worship to Psalms 113 through 118. And so they would worship to that. And then after they finished that, and remember Jesus is going, he's headed into overwhelming circumstances. You want to know how to get through overwhelming circumstances? You worship your way through it. And Jesus got that. Jesus understood that. And so they worship to Psalm 113 through 118. And then the, the, the great closing or the concluding hymn would be Psalms 136. Psalms 136 has 26 verses in it. Here's the unique thing about Psalm 136. In all the 26 verses, there's a repeated phrase. His love endures forever. Fact is, we've worshiped to this this morning. And so here they are. Jesus is headed into the Garden of Gethsemane. He's headed to the cross. These, and everything in his humanity is, is, is raising up because he knows what's ahead of him. He knows the circumstances are going to be overwhelming. And all of a sudden, he's like, men, let's worship. And they're going to the garden. And they're singing. His love endures Forever his love endures forever eugene peterson who wrote the message would say it like this that he would just take that phrase and he would say his love his love last his love last but the but the esv would say his his love endures forever and so here jesus is and he's headed into overwhelming circumstances and he's like men just sing it again just sing i I just need to hear it again because remember the only reason only word that we were given in Scripture when Jesus prayed on the cross, "My Father, My Father, why have you forsaken me?" Is that we He was forsaken, so we should be, so we could be accepted. And Jesus knew what was ahead of Him, and He's singing and He's worshiping too. His love endures forever. Why? Because when you're in overwhelming circumstances, and when I'm in overwhelming circumstances, and we're having those pressure-packed moments, we have got to know what that his love endures forever. We have got to come to that place to believe, guess what? We've got to believe his word and his love for us over our circumstances. I mean, why do people, when they, we get into these overwhelming circumstances, these pressure packed moments, what keeps them on the, what keeps them living out a life that they wanna live? Man, I would tell you, it is not because of their morals. It is not because of of their discipline. It, It is not because of some decision that they've made. I'm telling you, you know what keeps someone straight? You know what keeps someone following Christ? It is an intimate relationship with him. To where you know that you know that you know. That guess what? Regardless of what I'm going through, regardless of the circumstances, guess what? His love for me, his love endures forever. His love will last. I mean, his love, because, see, here's what happens in those moments. We have no concept. When, listen, when, when we're in overwhelming circumstances, we can get to the place where we have no, condoms, no concept of where this decision will take us to get relief. Our mind can get so clouded that we can forget some things. Our mind can get so clouded that we can forget we're in a love relationship with Him. That's why worship is so important. It's about this relationship. I mean, when you look at Jesus' life, you realize that, you know what? Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, He prayed real prayers. Remember the prayer he prayed in the garden? Lord, if there's any way this cup can pass before me, let it. But your will, not my will, because your love endures forever. A lot of times we don't get that, and and I don't know why it is, but sometimes we're fake with God, we're we're religious with God. And so in prayers, our our prayers can be very stiff, and we can be going through a difficult time, and we can pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we just kind of walk away. It's in those overwhelming moments. God knows what you're going through. That we should pray real prayers. God, I'm overwhelmed. And I need relief. I just want relief. And you know what I want to do? I want to go out tonight and I want to drink. And I want to drink a lot. God, I'm in an overwhelming moment and I just want to escape and I'm tired of being lonely. And I just, I just want to go out and meet somebody <coughs> to escape. God, I'm in overwhelming circumstances, and I'm just so angry. I want to say things. I want to throw things. I want to do things. But, Father, but your will, not my will. Because here's what I know. Your love for me lasts your love your love endures forever and I am choosing right now I am choosing to believe your word and your love over my circumstances because your word and your love just endures forever should you bow your heads with me and close your eyes let me ask you this morning, what is, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you as a result of this message? More importantly, how, more importantly how, does, how does He want you to respond? That's probably the most important question. How does He want you to respond to this message? How does He... Maybe today, maybe you just need to hear. Maybe you're in overwhelming circumstances and situations, and maybe you just need to hear. Guess what? His love for me endures forever. His love for me lasts His love for me isn't based upon anything other than his character. And he loves me and it endures. Maybe you've never accepted him. Maybe you've never entered into a relationship with him. Maybe you've known some things about God, but you've never known him personally. This would be the morning for you just to ask him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins and start a relationship with him. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I I just need someone to pray for me. I just..." I just need prayer well we want to pray for you so in just a few minutes after i pray and we stand i'm going to invite you that if you need prayer in any area of your any area of your life that as you stand up would you step out begin making your way down to the front and we'd love to pray for you whether it's a medical issue a financial issue a relational issue whether you want to pray for someone else you're concerned about them whether you're trying to make a decision of your future and decide between a choice that god has for you your prayer request may have nothing to do with what I've talked about this morning. And that's okay, too. But if God's laid a burden on your heart and you'd say, you know what, I just need prayer. I just need prayer. We want to be faithful. We want to minister to you. We want to pray for you. So after I pray and we stand, if you need prayer in any area, as you stand up, would you step out? Begin making your way down to the front. You won't have to walk along. People be coming with you. There'll be some prayer partners down here and, and we'll direct you. So if you need prayer in any area of your life, you come. Father, we thank you for today. And Lord, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for the power of, of your name and the power of your word. Father, we just want to tell you again, we thank you that your love endures forever and that your love for us lasts forever. And so, Father, now we just ask you to pull this church very closely to you and that people would respond to you and that, Father, people would know that you love them and you care for them. Father, we ask for prayers to be answered, people to find encouragement and comfort as we minister to each other. Father, we we look forward to see what you're going to do. But people know they're really not responding to a church or a pastor. They're responding to you. They're really connecting to you. And so, Father, we look to you to provide for them. We look forward to see what you're going to do, for we ask these things in Jesus' name.